2: And welcome to another Friday edition of the Work-Life Balance. Thank you so much for hanging out with us on another Friday. And we've got a fantastic show, uh, as we teased last week, planned for today. Uh, Exciting week again for us this week. Uh, we were up in Nashville, ran into several fans uh, up there in Nashville. I got to hang out uh, with with some of our fans up there this week. So we appreciated you guys uh, saying hello to us and and coming along. Next week, uh, we're going to be... Actually, next week, I get to spend an entire week in town. Go figure. Uh, so I get to do my own work-life balance next week. The week after that, we'll be in South Carolina. And then we're pushing towards that March 16th, March 17th date. Uh, March 16th, will be in Des Moines, Iowa. March 17th, going to uh, have a incredible opportunity to get, be with the cast of Hamilton. Uh, see my boy Wayne Brady play Aaron Burr. Uh, and cannot wait for that. So more to come. Uh, we're gonna try to do something potentially with the show on March 17th since that will be a Friday. Uh, potentially do the show in Chicago, see if we can't get Wayne to say hello to us. Uh, highly doubtful, but we're gonna do what we can do. So uh, coming to this week's show, I want to save as much time as we can for our guests because we have two guests this week. And uh, this this, uh, you know, I teased this show for a couple of weeks because we saw it coming. Uh, and wanted to talk about our authors here for a second, who both have a shared passion for sh- uh, for storytelling uh, that goes back and actually way back. Uh, so the first uh, author had published haikus in her first grade newsletter. Uh, The other author had entertained other kids on the school bus with his creative fiction. And not surprising, uh, their Jones for crafting a tale fueled their individual career paths, uh, which were both held roles in journalism, advertising, public relations, marketing, and corporate communications. They both had the good fortune to work for and with companies that spanned industries and impact from privately held startups to Fortune 50 powerhouses and to now their own communications agency. Uh, so they both live in, near Minneapolis, uh, where they both work as speakers and consultants. They both share their stories best, like me, during happy hour, which is coming very, very near for all of us. Uh, and their new book are, is their first real book, and it's funny because for those of you that that listen to me speak. Um, I have what's called the work breakdown structure. We talk about that all the time in project management. And then as my new book, which was the new number one Amazon bestseller, No Day But Today, I coined what was called the life breakdown structure. And so as we were going through that, you had your work BS and your life BS. And this book, uh, which caught my eye and why I wanted to bring them on the show, was called BS Incorporated. So I wanted to bring them onto the show and uh, welcome them Uh so we have Jennifer Rock and Michael Voss. Jennifer and Michael, welcome to the show. How are you guys doing?
3: We're doing great. Thanks so much for having us.
4: We're just thrilled to be here. Thanks, Rick.
2: Well, and not only that, but, you know, basically the book, if, if you're looking on Amazon, if you got, and, and you can find it on Amazon, what, what pulled me towards it is two of my all-time favorite one movie and two television show, Office Space and The Office. So the teaser to your book says if you love those then you know this is the book for you. And, and you know, look, that doesn't lie. It absolutely is a hilarious book. Why don't you first uh, tell the audience just a little bit about yourselves?
3: Sure. Uh, well, um, I'm Jennifer, if you can recognize by the voice, and um, and it's true. I've been a, a storyteller my entire life. I've always enjoyed writing. It fueled my career into corporate communications um where I've had, you know, held all kinds of jobs for 20 some years. And uh, I've worked for small companies, I've worked for big companies, I have uh, counseled executives on speech writing, I have been deep in the mire and muck of working with hired consultants. Um, And I have a lot of stories to tell from all of those experiences. And so um, Mike and I worked together for about 12 years at the same company. I'll I'll let him talk a little bit about his experience. Um, But uh, we, you know, figured out over the course of working together that we shared kind of the same sardonic mindset uh, about the workplace. And we we don't tend to take ourselves or our experiences too seriously. And uh, that's what fueled our book. But here's Mike. Yeah, and, uh, so the company where Jennifer and
4: I met was actually, uh, Best Buy, which is headquartered here in the Minneapolis area. So as she said, worked together for about a dozen years and became kindred spirits there really and just had to laugh through uh, and in some cases, almost cry through some of the experience we had. And at some point, we realized, with all of our writing backgrounds and, and expertise and our shared sense of humor, that someone should really write a book about the types of experiences that we've been having in the in the corporate world. And it might as well be us. So um, we decided about six years ago that we were going to give it a shot.
2: And that's and that's. I actually was a project turnaround specialist for Xerox. And when you get exposure to all of these different clients and and being able to go in and out, I would come home and talk to my wife and say, you know, you're not going to believe what someone said to me or what I saw (laughs) today or that kind of stuff. And they think we're making this stuff up. And that's Uh the best part about what we get to do or what we get to see is no. And uh, that is how I became a a great purveyor of craft beer. Uh
3: Well, it's, there's something um, there's something to be said for um, kind of uh, recognizing the absurd and funny experiences that you go through in corporate America. And uh, Mike and I just happen to be two people who took a whole lot of notes over the years, and uh, so writing a book came kind of naturally to us.
2: And so, was that the inspiration? Was just I loved the thing in in your bio around the pinky swears says when you sobered up you pinky swore you would actually write a book.
4: Yeah, actually, uh, you know, true story, we the book was inspired by a half-day meeting In a huge company turnaround project, so Rick, very much the kind of work you're familiar with. Picture a large conference room with a dozen and a half people gathered around it with a couple of bickering executive sponsors at the head of the table, you know, squabbling over the font size of their PowerPoint charts and a bunch of project (laughs) managers lining another side of the table playing. Candy Crush Saga on their laptops. And there's Jennifer and I just wondering if this company was even going to be able to figure out what it was trying to accomplish. And, of course, everyone keeps asking us for the communication plan for a project that nobody could define. Uh, so we uh, we snuck away. We got out of the meeting early. We went to a bar patio in the shadow of our office tower, began trading stories about all the absurdity we'd experienced. And and you're exactly right. At some point we said, we should turn this into a book. And uh, we had had a couple cocktails already, so we pinky swore across the table that this was not just going to be a bunch of big talk uh, over happy hour. We actually, uh, the next day, found a conference room in our office building and began sketching out the very, very early framework for BS Incorporated.
2: So tell us about that. Tell us about some of that real-life experience that you had wanted to make sure that you included in the book.
3: Sure. You know, um, there's something and and you know, Rick, you've been through this too as a as a PM, I'm sure, and working in different companies, that uh there is no shortage of stories in corporate America and they really run the range. I mean we wanted to tell the humorous side of and the stuff that, you know, people would say, I can't even believe that happened, but we also wanted to tell the heartfelt side. So um, and I'm gonna go there first because you know, I, one of the the things that people have said about our book is that it's it's surprisingly warm. <laughs> There's some surprising moments in there, and um, we wanted to tell some of that really honest behind the scenes things that happen in in um, in any kind of company. And for me, you know, one of the stories I wanted to be sure to tell was um, the story of being involved in mass layoffs, and unfortunately, that's becoming more and more common. And um, for me. Uh, My first experience with uh, a very massive layoff situation happened when I was a very young manager, and we wanted to tell that story from the side of the table of a manager having to lay off an employee for the first time. And um, that story is in the book, and it's very much my real-life experience of having to sit across the table from somebody who was a very good friend of mine and having to tell her that uh, she no longer had a job in the company and I had my script in front of me and I rehearsed it and I was ready to do you know, toe the company line and um, when I opened my mouth I just burst out crying and I couldn't, I couldn't go through with it and she ended up comforting me through the process and she was the one losing her job and I, I, that's a. It's unless you were in that room, um, I, you know, that I, I'm not sure that's something a lot of people understand um, of how hard layoffs are to both the employees losing their jobs, but also the managers who have to who to let their friends go. And so um, that's one of those stories that we wanted to make sure that we told, and we told it from the manager perspective.
2: Absolutely, and and I again, there's there's, we when you start to talk about these things and, and start to try to put it down on paper. It's it's hard to start to weed out which stories you actually want to tell because there's hundreds right. of stories. Uh, I, my business partner in my company, r Square Consulting was one of the best HR managers I ever had. And so mm-hmm. when we leave a company, we'll start relaying stories that happened between us. And so we just had to counsel a organization through a layoff process and then We were having uh, drinks afterwards, and he'll say, do you remember when you had to lay off so-and-so? And And I was a very young manager, and the layoff was coming at 4 o'clock, and she came through, I I guess found out or whatever, and burst through my office at like noon and had confronted me. So we had to move the layoff up until 1 o'clock. Uh, instead oh. of four. And I think I opened the meeting with, well, we were going to do this at four, but now we're meeting now because of the confrontation, which was oh. absolutely the wrong thing you say in an HR situation. Right. But me being so young, I, I didn't know any better. Um, but hearing it from his side, right? He was absolutely 100% mortified that I put him in that situation. And again, <laughs> all of our learning processes. Um, but I think it's it, it's fantastic to be able to tell the stories and relay stories from a very, very personal experience. And what I'd love to do when we come back from the break here is to be able to start to relay those stories and to hear some of your favorite ones from the book um, and exactly what that process was as you started to chart those chapters out, decide which stories were in, which stories were out. So we're going to hear that when we come on the other side of the break. You're listening to Rick Morris and the Work-Life Balance.
5: every business is in the software business and business is booming that's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day it's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage where applications aren't just part of your brand they are your brand all of this means you have a new mandate build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy.
2: And welcome back to the Work-Life Balance. We are visiting with the authors of BS Incorporated, which is a new book by Jennifer Rock and Michael Voss. Maybe not so new because it was one of the top books of 2016, but certainly new to the audience here. And by the way, if you want your own copy, obviously it's available on Amazon, but you can also visit www.rockandvoss, that's R-O-C-K and Voss, V-O-S-S, books.com. Get your own copy Um, be sure to visit that when we're on our next break, but we were just talking about some of our favorite stories from the book. Jennifer just had an opportunity to share one of hers, but Michael, why don't you share one of your stories from the book?
4: Sure. So one of the other things we really wanted to highlight within this story is the the people you work with, Jennifer touched on that a little bit, but, uh, most of us have had mentors during our careers and, um, I'm no different in real life. I, uh, my first real job was working in a warehouse, and so that's uh, that's where the character of Will Evans in the book is based on. He he started in the warehouse at uh, Business Solutions Incorporated, and my real-life mentor's name was Big Al, as is Will's in the book. And for me personally, one of the things I just remember about Big Al, I was a young kid. I was 17, 18 years old, going to school, working in a warehouse, and while we are all today as employees very familiar with our investment portfolios and our 401k options. At that time, and I realize I'm, I'm aging myself here, uh, a 401k was a brand new thing. It had just come out, and the company I was working for just offered it. And I remember saying, I'm not going to set any money aside, I have money taken out of my paycheck. And Big Al came over and threw a big, meaty forearm around my shoulder and said, Listen, young Mike. You don't think about it now, but you won't even miss those few dollars a week that come out of your paycheck and you'll thank me later. And, and of course we know now that, you know, getting into a 401k at 17 years old was a tremendous opportunity that I would have overlooked if not for a mentor like Big Al. And so, so we purposefully put a character named Big Al in the book that will, our protagonist, turns to at specific times when he really needs some guidance. And so one of my favorite stories in the book is when things really are looking dim for the company and crashing down all around. Will goes to have drinks with Big Al and picks his brain and, and Big Al being the gruff warehouse raised guy that he is, doesn't let Will weasel out of his responsibility and really fires him up to be the guy who really needs to lead the charge in trying to save the company.
2: Very, very cool. And so that, I mean, that has a lot of different themes to it then, right? So you, you're finding your mentors, you're, you know, you're dealing with a lot of the personal side of, of being a manager, and even some of the struggles that people may not get exposed to if they haven't had an opportunity to work in these different jobs. And so there's, a, there's, very, uh, there's quite a few themes that are, that are woven throughout the story. Uh, so what are some of those lessons that you want to relay within the novel?
3: Yeah, you know, I, I, there's there's one that's, um, that's important to both of us and, and one that we wanted to make sure that we told, and it was about being true to yourself, and that goes on both the company level and the personal level, and, you know, I have to say that being a, a woman in the workplace and, and being a woman in um, a lot of industries, um, financial and retail and technology that I've worked in... Um, I, I tried, I think, early in my career to be something I'm not, or at least to hide pieces of myself um, in the workplace because I thought that's what would help me get ahead. And, um, you know, so um, don't let them show that you have any kind of a human side. Um, you, you know, the more um, robotic and stiff you can be in the workplace, the more you'll go ahead. And um, it took me a long time to figure out how to bring kind of my whole self to work and all the, all the parts of me. You know, I, I have a sense of humor and I have an emotional side and it's, it's all good, you know, and you bring all of that to work and it makes you a better coworker and a better leader. Um, but it took me a while to figure that out. And we wanted to get that across with our female character, Anna, um, which um, very closely mirrors my career. But also, we wanted to get across that, you know, in, in terms of a company. So, in BS Incorporated, um, our company, Business Solutions, is an office supply and copy company, and um, and they um, are chasing the Wall Street beast. You know, they're they're going through um, some growing pains and chasing some very high expectations and trying to be this this high flying company again and that they're they're at the end of their growth runway. So they start bringing in the the business school professors and the great big consultants to try to turn them into something that they're not, and um, it's at the expense of the company's culture, and it's at the expense of their employees, and it's at the expense of their legacy. And so we wanted to really get across the fact that, you know, whether you're an individual trying to to work your way up the ladder or whether you're a company trying to to grow productively, you really have to think about what made you successful in the the first place and and really stick stick to yourself, stick to your guns um, as to who you are.
2: I think that's great. I think a lot of us – try it, it, when i teach a seminar i just finished doing one in nashville the first thing that i teach is what i call understanding you and what i think is very detrimental to a lot of people that go to a seminar is that they'll hear someone like you jennifer you michael speak or maybe like me and they'll try to take whatever we say or however we say it and apply it immediately uh, and yeah. I have the blessing to work with, you know, John Maxwell and some of these phenomenal people. And the problem with that is, is they lack the authenticity of themselves in applying that message. They lack the experience. They lack the conviction. And, and you know, I love it when John Maxwell says, when people come up to him and says, wow, I want to do what you do. And he says, yeah, but are you willing to have done what I've done? Oh,
3: and wow,
2: that's so powerful. I, that gives me chill bumps every time I hear it. And I say that, but I say that. John says it, right? I mean, it's not me saying that. It's John saying that. But you have to have that authenticity. So whenever I'm teaching, the first thing I always say is, do not just go back and say what I've said. You've got to put it through your own filter and be you. And I think that that's something that people really need to learn.
3: And, you know, Rick, I'll add on to that, that um, that's also, you know, the first rule of communication as well, right? So, you know, we are professional communicators. That's what we do in our day jobs. And authenticity is something that um, is the first rule in good communication, and especially if you're an executive. You know, you can memorize the scripts. You can stick to your PowerPoint bullet points, but it has to be through, like you said, that filter of who you are and that, that filter of your experiences, and that's what makes you a good speaker, and that's what makes you um, an authentic leader.
2: And Michael, did you have any lesson that you wanted to share?
4: You know, I, I think one of the the other ones that we wanted to to really draw throughout the story is that um, you need to have fun at work, or at least enjoy yourself in some capacity. It doesn't it doesn't have to be laugh out loud fun every day, but you spend so much time at work, and, and obviously the title of your show demonstrates how much people struggle with balancing that, the amount of time at work and, and the amount of time even that you just spend in your own head even when you're not at work. And so we wanted to to share some of those universal, funny experiences that we all have on the job and sort of explain that it's okay to have some fun on the job, whether it's just the quirky people around you or, or some of the, those universal experiences. You know, you can be having a terrible day and everything can get turned around by the simple little act of finding free food in the break room. It can be leftover pizza from a sales meeting or some donuts that didn't get finished from a breakfast event and it can change your mindset for the whole day and strangely enough, um, as you probably know, Rick, throughout the book, we've layered in a number of these examples where our characters stumble onto free food in the break room. And they even have a little code where they will text one another wherever they are in the building to come and find the, the leftover p- pizza or whatever it might be. And that has connected with readers in a way that we never could have predicted because it's just one of those things we've all experienced. And it's one of those things that really can make your day.
2: I like I what I found humorous throughout the book was the the, the thing in people's cubes, uh, in particular the squid. I thought was hilarious. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that I was like, what? Where is this going? Uh, but I'll leave that as a, a surprise for the people that that read the book. But no, I, I absolutely one hundred percent agree. And, and you know I get on a, a soapbox a lot of times in the show around work life balance and in, in what's really important to people. And, it, it, and at the end of the day. You know, I love my. the reason why I own my own company is so that I can love my job and love my company. Um, but at the end of the day, I remind people that for, for many organizations, you're an employee ID, and, and people think that they're so invaluable to their organizations. And for the most part, they are. But at the end of the day, if, if you leave your company, they'll replace you. And they'll mourn you for All a right. couple of days, sure. They'll miss you for a couple of days. But when, if you leave your family, then that's detrimental. And so yeah. we've got to understand where our priorities really are. And and that's that's what a lot of people sometimes don't understand. It's like, no, I've gotta get this done. And I'm like, so I'm I am the from a project management perspective, and, and when I read your book, I I know how you guys feel about project managers. Um, <laughs> but from a project management perspective, that's why I, I, I push back on mandated dates and in I teach people how to uh, to push back on on you know these overtime and weekends and everything else because is it really that important or is it some arbitrary date that we just made up because somebody wants to make some executive look good?
3: Absolutely, that's
2: right. So I think we would have gotten along in this workplace, and I would have been the one that that would have been making faces at you guys behind the scenes in that very same meeting at that at that Best Buy. Well,
3: <laughs> we we would have pulled you out to our happy hour. <laughs>
2: And and to
4: be fair, Rick, we uh, we went into this uh, writing this book saying we were going to have some fun at pretty much everyone's expense in <laughs> every role inside the company, from senior executives to HR to project managers to change managers and
3: to the security guys. Yeah, that's
4: right. So, um, you know, we just had the the good fortune of being the people writing the book. So, of course, we made our um, our characters, the communications people, the heroes, but um, it's really actually interesting because no matter what role you're in in the company, it really comes down to finding people with a similar mindset, with a similar view of, of the you know putting work within perspective, and we, we call that finding your crew, and that's really what it's all about, and it doesn't matter what role you play, it's about finding people who have a shared set of values and a shared perspective
2: well and to be completely fair to you guys if I took myself that seriously I wouldn't have brought you on the show (laughs) so I think we're kindred spirits all the way through so again (laughs) while we're on break (laughs) while we're on break you need to go to www.rockandvossbooks.com pick up your own copy of BS Incorporated and go find out what we're talking about and then go find the hidden squid and you'll see what we're talking about there (laughs) or you can go to amazon.com and pick up a copy of this book we're going to take another quick break and we'll be right back after this
5: It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers. All powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment. And not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you, turn left ahead. the digital road signs that direct you onward, and the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto-drive mode. This is life in the application economy, and the opportunities for businesses are endless, but only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com.
1: Allow R Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit RSquaredConsulting.com today.
5: When
2: it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: You are tuned in to the Work Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guests today, we'd love to have you call into the program
2: And we are back to the work-life balance. We have been visiting with the authors of B.S. Incorporated. That's Jennifer Rock and Michael Voss. Uh, so coming back, what, what's been the reaction for you guys to the book? What's it been like since you've released it?
3: Um, the reaction has been great, Rick. And I, I think we've really struck a chord with people, um, both personally and professionally, with, with some of the stories in the book. And, you know, the, the, the average readers have been telling us you know, whether they work in a small company, a big company, or they have escaped from a company have, uh, said they've, you know, they laugh, they drink when they read our book. They, uh, they also um, they cringe a lot. They laugh and cringe at the same time. Like we just got a review from somebody who had escaped a corporate job, and she said that the book literally gave her nightmares, which I take as a point of pride um, that we <laughs> we struck a chord so hard that we brought back some uh, some repressed memories of of corporations for her. But on the um, on the review level, it's it's been wonderful. We. We're named one of the uh, top ten best business books of 2016 by Wealth Management, and we were the only novel on that list. And we were in the company of you know, Warren Buffett and and folks that we frankly have no business being in the company of um, with our book. But um, but all I can say is that we're we're a little funnier than Warren Buffett, so you know we'll take it.
2: He was just on what the the Celebrity Apprentice with with Arnold Schwarzenegger. That was the most awkward interaction I think I've ever seen oh between gosh. two people. Oh <laughs> that goodness. was not a fun thing to watch. But what? <laughs> yeah, that was. We, we we can cut that part out. Um, so what what's been your favorite part just of of this whole journey for for the two of y'all?
4: without a doubt rick uh, the best part of, of becoming published authors is hearing from readers and and hearing what they took away from the book and and the most um, compelling and and really rewarding part for for me personally is realizing how almost everybody takes a little something different away from the book. Some people will say it's the funniest book they've ever read. Other people will come and say it, it's surprisingly heartfelt, as, as Jennifer alluded to earlier. Others will say it, it had me on the edge of my seat. It was a page turner. I didn't want to put it down. And, and, you know, while we tried to do a little bit of all of those things, um, you never know necessarily how it's going to play. You know, the our litmus test was whether we could make one another laugh or whether we could bring a tear to one another's eyes when we were reading each other's work and editing each other's work. Uh, but until you really get it in the hands of readers, you don't know, and and that has been just so humbling and so wonderful to to hear how readers have enjoyed the book.
2: Absolutely. So what have you guys been doing with it since, right? So now that it's been released, obviously, you know, there was the Oscars and the Grammys and all the accolades and awards that come with that. Um, But then what do you do with that afterwards?
3: So, you know, it's um, talk about work-life balance. Um, So juggling our our own agency here and our client work as well as promotion for the first book. You know, a, a book is considered new for two years and we are uh, not quite at year one yet, so um, so definitely still promoting the book and uh, and widening the circle of readership. There, we've had interest from two groups um, for a possible screenplay of the book, and you know that's the dream, right? To uh, to bring your oh, wow. your novel to the big screen. So um, we'll see if, we'll see uh, how that materializes. But um, we're also working on the sequel. Uh, we want to come back to Business Solutions Inc. We want to come back to Will. Anna and Big Al and and the co-CEOs and all of our crazy characters. And uh, we want to continue the story because um, boy, we, we left a lot on the cutting room floor <laughs> in that first novel and we want to make sure that um, we uh, we tell those stories that uh, we still have to tell.
2: And that's kind of the best part. So you guys, and you guys mentioned it, right? So you still have clients in and, and doing that. Now talk a little bit about that. Let's pivot to you know what you guys do, in, in in service for your clients now in in your consulting business.
4: Sure. So when we when we left uh, Best Buy's headquarters, we decided to strike out on our own, not only as as novelists, but we formed a two-person communications agency and. We our primary focus is really helping large companies with internal communications. So helping them engage and inspire employees that they have spread across geographic locations, whether across the US and um, very often across the globe. So that's that's really where we cut our teeth in the corporate world, and that's what gives us the most energy when we have that. That kind of big client that is looking for a better way to connect with their employees. We've also um, done some work for small businesses and even startups. And in in that arena, we we just try to be a jack of all trades and help them with whatever they need. In some cases, it's been um, creating websites and really giving them an identity and a presence online. We've done some social media strategy and even some what I guess I would call like uh, marketing light, so some marketing collateral materials and things like that. Nothing too heavy in the day. Data and analytics space, but um, we're really all about helping our clients, large or small, get sharp on their story and then engage their audiences.
2: And have you, how do you market yourselves a little bit differently with something like BS Incorporated behind you? Though is is that a leveraged tool or is that something you're trying to keep separate?
4: You know, we really lead with the business aspect for business clients. We don't shy away from the book, but given that it's fiction, it's not really a thought leadership piece for us. So um, we lead with our, our business expertise, and and then we tend to create fans and readers um, once we're in a business and once we have those clients.
3: And funny funny story, Rick, we, we were just on a conference call with a fairly new client and uh, talking with someone who we had never met before, and... Um, when we introduced ourselves and you know, said our names, she said, oh my goodness, I just read your book. Like, I, just, <laughs> I just finished your book this weekend. And it was just a very odd um, timing thing where she, did, she had no idea who we were, that we were going to start doing work with the company. A complete coincidence that she happened to pick up our book. And, uh, and what a wonderful thing that she happened to be a fan as well. So that can only bode well in the client space.
2: Absolutely, and that's why I was wondering that. So, it's been a long-term strategy of ours, right? Is through this radio show, through our books, is is to establish that thought leadership, right? Which obviously just brings that that natural progression into R squared. Um, that's why I was wondering with with something that's kind of um, a little bit of a pivot point from BS Incorporated to th- that professionalism that you're 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 throwing out there. That that was why I was asking that question. But yeah, um, i oh, go ahead. No, go for it. Go ahead.
4: I, I was just going to say, and, and that, that's why we don't lead with the book. There is, you know, given, given how, uh, I guess, somewhat cynical the humor can be in the book, we typically uh, want to make sure we're presenting ourselves professionally, first and foremost. But again, once, once our clients get to know us and they find out what we've written, then they sort of have a sense of, of what the book might be about. And uh, we've turned clients into, into readers for sure.
2: Well, and then clients into raving fans, right? It's it's the the cynicism is more. Well, but the cynicism is is more tongue in cheek than it is really cynicism, right? Let's be fair to that. Um, It's it's more of you know, again, telling the story than it is cynical belief, right? Be fair.
4: Thank you, thank you for that, because we you know we said all along if if anybody picks up this book and thinks it's an an anti-business rant they couldn't be more wrong you know we 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 love um, businesses of all kinds and all sizes and certainly they can be a struggle and they bring their challenges but we've met lifelong friends many of us have met spouses um, through you know through our careers and through our jobs and and really a business is is truly a collection of people is what it is and that's that's what we wanted to shine through in the story as well
3: and you know, we and Mike's right. We've we've met wonderful people and worked with some of the most amazing, intelligent people. But you know, the crazy ones are the most fun to write about.
2: <laughs> right, and and the greatest thing about great comedies it's more observation than it is a, a, a cynical belief. It, it's it's being able to spin the story through great observation in in storytelling than it is being cynical about what it is that we do. Um, you know, I've had the blessing of being able to to be. One of the the more funny ones on the speaking circuit about project management. So I tell very um, I, well. Let's just keep with the word cynical. Cynical stories about my profession, um, and so I'll say things like, you know, we work in the dumbest profession ever, and so <laughs> I, I right. But I say that that you know it started with the greatest lie I ever told. I was told as a young project manager that I own the project, yeah, and that's um, I'm sure you've heard that right. Of you know, as a project manager, you- they go. Hey, you own this project, and then I sat back and said, "But what do I own? Well, those aren't my resources. That's uh, not my budget. I can't write a check. Heck, it wasn't even my idea, right? <laughs> so I, I realized the only thing I sit around to own is the blame for when this stupid thing goes wrong, <laughs> oh, right? Yeah. And, so,
3: as a project manager, you own the Gantt charts because you're <laughs> you're the ones always chasing me down to update my little piece of it. So let's in let's the status clear. report, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. In the TPS report while we're at it.
3: That's exactly right. And make sure you have a cover sheet on that TPS report.
2: On that TPS report. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, right. So, but through that cynicism, we create the connection point, and then we can teach. And then we can teach. That's, That's right. Yeah so that's a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun and I think that it's fantastic and in you know so when some people have heard me before then they see me walk into the company and go yep we're going to be building your PMO they go oh boy let's uh here we go. Here we go. <laughs> so um, <laughs> so with that being said, we're going to take um, our, our final break coming up here. But I, I did want to give you headway and, and give our audience a second to think about it as well. But one of the, the questions we always like to ask all of our guests is what is the greatest advice they've ever been given? So I wanted to give you a second to think about that as well because when we come back on the other side of this break, we want to hear your answer. You're listening to The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris.
5: Today, every business is in the software business, and business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world, where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other, where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage, where applications aren't just part of your brand, they are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment. And not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you, turn left ahead, the digital road signs that direct you onward, and the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto-drive mode. This is life in the application economy, and the opportunities for businesses are endless, but only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com.
2: And we are back for our final segment on this Friday afternoon. We're visiting with Jennifer and Michael, authors of Wealthmanagement.com's, one of their top 10 business books of 2016 BS Incorporated. So we've got a little bit of time left. I want to make sure. Um, why don't you tell us one more story uh, or one more story each for sure, uh, from the book or just you know from your career that uh, you'd like to share with the audience?
4: Sure, I'll I'll start with that one, Rick. Uh, so one of the things we wanted to demonstrate in the book is that our, our character Will, despite having grown up in the company, is sometimes a bit of a fish out of water. And I had an experience early in my career. Um, where I was I was young in my career, so I wasn't one who attended uh, executive meetings, but I did, for some reason, get invited to one once, and it was a big meeting in a big boardroom, and people were coming in and out, shuffling papers and handing things off, and I just assumed that's when a, what an executive meeting was. The second time I got invited to an executive meeting, I was just told, John Smith, will say, uh, was CEO of the company, and I was supposed to go up into into a meeting room in the executive area and because uh, he needed some communications help. So I grabbed my trustee direct report, Brad, and he and I traveled up to the executive area. And I remember standing outside the meeting room thinking, okay, it's an executive meeting. I've been to one of these. People come in and out all the time. So I, I pumped myself up, grabbed the handle to the door, and sort of burst into the room, only it was a, a very small meeting room with only four people in it, and they all spun their heads and looked at me like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> of course, my trusty compatriot, Brad, was smart enough to stay out in the hallway, so uh, uh, he, he did not get to partake in the glare from four angry executives, but that's uh, that's the kind of experience, too, that we very often have when we're young and we don't quite know what we're doing on the job.
2: Absolutely. <laughs>
3: Yeah, and I'll, I'll weigh in with, a, with another one. This is ripped right from the book, um, one of those real-life experiences that people say, did that really happen? And yeah, yeah, it did. Um, early on in my career, I had to write a really sensitive memo um, about a company where, uh, shall we say, people were having personal relations in the stairwells of this company, um, because it was kind of a private area, and uh, people would sneak away during lunch or during you know um, certain areas, you know certain times of the day, um, to canoodle in the stairwells. So it was my responsibility as a communication specialist to write a memo to remind people that this was a respectful work environment, and stairwells should only be used to transport yourself from uh, floor to floor, and not for any kind of carnal reason. Um, it was a it was a pretty eye-opening experience as a young communicator of the things that actually happen behind the scenes in big companies and on great big corporate campuses. And uh, it uh, I think that's probably what started me, um, writing down notes of the goofy things that happened behind the scenes in companies, kind of in the, I should write a book one day.
2: That may go under the greatest advice you've ever given <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, how's that? We, uh, um <laughs> So we got oh. a, uh, an email that went, oh, go ahead, go ahead, finish. Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, please, finish that.
3: Oh, no, I, I was just going to say that um, I think, yeah, the the greatest, one of the pieces of greatest advice I ever had, um, I ever got was, yeah, stay out of the stairwell, just say. <laughs>
2: there you go. There you go. We had gotten a, um, I got in a wake-up call. I had an IT team that I was over, and they had managed all the emails, and, um Evidently, somebody in one of the manufacturing plants of GE was was having a uh, an affair on his wife or whatever, and was sending a message of all the things he was going to do to his girlfriend. And, oh uh, no! And her name her name was uh, like a G N G E A N or whatever, and that went to G E all. Oh. And had called our IT team feverishly trying to get that email back. And so I guess, you know, Jack Welch got the email as well. <laughs> and so we got a call at four in the morning seeing if we could uh, retrieve those emails before everyone in the company found out uh, what this okay, gentleman wanted to do to, to Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun as well. And you just won this little storytelling. <laughs> no, no, no. But the point is, is I, I think to your exact point, and the beauty of BS Incorporated is for every story, it reminds almost every person of something that they experienced in their career. Or they, they say, oh, I know exactly this person or that person. Or I know a buddy that, that told me a story. or And I think that's the beauty of the book and exactly why everybody needs to jump onto Amazon.com right now. Uh, and, and go get their copy and, 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 read this book. I, it's, it absolutely not only touches on everything that we've talked about through this show, but it is going to, to do exactly what you said and, and just bring back those repressed memories because I absolutely <laughs> that story until you brush yours up, Jennifer. So. <laughs> so let's go to the greatest advice, uh, You know, a popular question that we ask on the show of all of our guests and and just a great way to close out. But what is some of the greatest advice you've ever been given?
4: So I think the greatest piece of advice I was ever given was really um, directed to me personally. And it was someone that I had worked with and that I looked, looked up to who encouraged me to apply for a promotion. Um, And I was disinclined to do it, and he really talked me into it, and it really started a progression um, of of me pushing myself and and kind of taking myself out of my comfort zone. So while the advice was really personal to me, I think I I would extrapolate that out, that never stop pushing yourself and looking for new opportunities to learn and grow. And it's something that early in my career I wasn't really focused on, and, and it took someone I looked
2: up to to really push me to do that. That's fantastic. Jennifer?
3: Uh, you know, early on, I um, also had a, a mentor, and an early boss, who um, warned me that people you usually prepare for overwhelming failure, but you also have to prepare for overwhelming success. And I've never forgotten that, and it's absolutely true, because um, whether you completely fail at something or you succeed beyond your wildest dreams, both of those um, ends of the spectrum have far reaching implications on on what you do and who you are and what it does to your work life balance and what it does to your time and your and your career and so um, I've never forgotten that and I, I think about that for most of the things that we do be it the the business or the book um, you always think about again you know that what's what is awful failure look like and how am I going to deal with it, but what does that crazy success look like and and what um, might I do uh, to make sure that I can sustain that and that it um, has a positive impact on me.
2: And thank you for sharing that. And tell everybody how to get in touch with you. How do they book you? How, how do they contact you guys?
4: Um, So the easiest way to get in touch with us is really via uh, one of our websites. So as as you mentioned, Rick, our book website is rockandvossbooks.com. And you can also find that same page on Facebook, Rock and Voss Books. Uh, on the business side, we have a website that is rock.voss.com, and the dot is spelled out, D-O-T, uh, but both of those uh, websites are connected on the back end, so if you find one of them or you find our Facebook page, uh, you can get in touch with us uh, via our various email addresses and cell phone numbers, etc. so that's the place to start, and then uh, you can reach us from there.
2: Well, Jennifer and Michael, it's absolutely been a pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, joining us here on the Work-Life Balance. And uh, hopefully you'll come back, uh, certainly with the next release or with the screenplay or just, you know, come back and let's tell some more stories for sure.
3: We'd love to come back. Thank you so much for having us.
2: That sounds great. Thank you, gang. And next week, uh, we've got uh, Brad Lomanick coming on. He is the author of a new book called H3 Leadership, uh, which stands for Be Humble, Stay Hungry and Always Hustle. He also is the author of The Catalyst Leader. Uh, So we're looking really, really forward to having Brad on the show with us next week. And as always, we'll be right here helping you out with your work balance and your life balance and hopefully, hopefully, always, always learning. So join us next week. We look forward to having you again. And, and, uh, you know, again, we've been blessed uh, with this show Always like to shout out Matt, our producer, at Winston Price, executive producer. We love you guys. Always blessed for having you around, and we'll talk to you guys next week. You've been listening to Rick Morris on the Work-Life Balance.
1: Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel.